Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. And I am your co-host, Camden. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our day and day game. Crikey. This episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. If you do not know what Patreon is, it is a membership platform that allows for creators to build relationships with their most loyal fans, known as patrons. It's a tier-based reward system that allows you to support your favorite creators for as little as $1 a month. In exchange, you are offered exclusive content. If you think our show is worth at least $1 a month, that's a quarter an episode. If you think we're worth a quarter an episode, uh, head on over to CritAcademy.com and click our Patreon link and, and come and uh, see what we got for you. Maybe there's something there that's interest you. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's less. How many hours of content do we give a month, uh, Camden? That's going to be like six hours, yeah. six, seven hours. Yeah, six six to seven hours easily. Plus, um, plus a chance of getting to our D&D games. Yeah, and... Uh, uh yeah so there's reason check it out see if there's something there you like um brandon also uh, our other host who hopefully will be returning to us soon maybe we'll see reasons um <laughs> real life reasons right <laughs> gotta be a bitch like that he also does uh commissions for our patrons as well as uh offers paid commissions uh full color art at 20 dollars going down so definitely check it out um we want to thank you for joining us today here at crit academy studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a basic grid once you've watched the DM's craft. Oh, man. That stuff is golden. Oh, yeah. I know Ian got to got to see the wonderful layout we got sitting over there. Those of you that look in the look at some of the the uh behind the scenes stuff got to see some goodies. Um so I'm really excited uh for today's uh show. We have DM Scotty joining us for our main topic in our interview. Before we get into the show, we like to start off every episode on a high note by giving away fat loots. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Andy.Marie02. Congratulations, Andy Mary Zero Two. If you enjoyed the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com. Let them know, leave them a review, tell them what you like, what you didn't like, and help them improve this product moving forward. Ian, if they would like to be entered to win one of the three prizes that we give away each and every week, how can they do that? Well, they can go to our website, critcamming.com, and they can subscribe. Yeah. And thank also, you. it also does not hurt to like our Facebook page and uh, like us on Twitter. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> although, although it costs you at least a dollar to be a Patreon member, subscribing is free. You yeah. can go to our website, oh, nice. critacademy.com, and give us your email address for the mailing list, and you are entered to win these prizes absolutely free. We got a really great episode for you today. For our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a submission from our newest patron, Matthew. Um, Who just joined us by the looks of it. Yeah. 
Oh, hey, Matthew. Welcome, buddy. Um, our main topic is going to be an interview that we did with uh, DM Scotty of the DM's Craft. If you have not checked this stuff out, his YouTube channel and his website are amazing. It's all about teaching you how to make your own 3D, like, I think he calls it 2.5D terrain. And it's baller, and it's cheap, and it looks effing gorgeous. So What that guy can do is cotton balls and toothpicks. It's quite impressive. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's actually accurate. <laughs> um, and, of course, we have our final segment, our honor tips and tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we have In the Realm, where we just spend a little bit of time talking about what's going on in our realm. Camden, what's going on in your realm? Um, not much. Uh, laying low here in the city of Chicago. Uh, biggest thing that's happened to me lately, I put out a song with my friend. He goes by Harry. Um, the song is called Reasons. Uh, it's like a smooth R&B tune, and it's um, it's doing really well. I'm pleased to say it's gotten like tens of thousands of plays only in the past week or so. Nice. So, you um, should totally add a link to that under our in the realm section on our show notes, so people can find it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing happening. That's awesome, right dude. I'm really I'm gl- I'm really happy for you. I'm still telling you, what if you would have just charged a buck for each one? <laughs> Yeah, you'd be it's rolling available. in the dough like Scrooge McDuck. For those who are interested in purchasing it for a dollar, it is available on iTunes. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing happened to me lately, uh, making lots of music. So That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad. I hope that really goes well for you. Thank you. Uh, Ian, what is up in your realm? Me and a friend of mine, we, are, we more or less to a degree finalized our plans for Dragon Con. So we visited our events. The downside, though, was... Uh, we did not know event registration already started for attenders, so when we logged on, most of the events were already full. <laughs> oh, no. So I think but, we're only doing one, maybe two things together, but the rest were just kind of like uh, freestyling it from there. <laughs> but I managed to get uh, submitted to a few events I want to go to, so I can't really complain too much. That sounds awesome, dude. And Justin, what's going on in your realms? Last week, we had our monthly D&D patron extra credit game. That's a game that once a month we run for our patrons. Mind you, this module is 10 hours of gameplay. We crunched it and narrowed in, into three hours, and I cannot tell you how much fun I had as a, as a DM running that game. The players were awesome. The, the story was great. The role play was amazing. And I, that was the first time that I ever really done like the, the zombie, you know, uh, the hordes of zombies, you know, coming into a town and the players just can't outright destroy everything. They had to like board up their, their little home base and defend themselves for the, to the dawn till they disappeared. It was pretty cool. Uh, I was just, the only problem I really had is I was sad that I only had three hours to run it. So I really would have liked to been able to run that for the whole, the whole duration. So what would have been really easy to defend? What's that? A granite outhouse. Oh my God. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, um, in the event, we're running uh, the we're fucking what are we Storm running? King's Thunder. Storm King's Thunder. And I let the players get their own property, and they're building their own fortress. And this dipstick decide the first thing he's gonna build is a granite outhouse that like spirals with the secret stairs that go under, like freaking the hive from Resident Evil, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, really, dude? So um, so I had a really eventful week and had a blast. So I think that'll do it for In the Realm. If they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so, Ian? Why, they can visit other realms by logging on to Audible, where they can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial if they go to audibletrial.com. 
slash Crit Academy. <laughs> Ed says he only comes for Ian and Camden. Well, you know what? Fuck that shit. I'm going to go play World of Warcraft. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on to, uh, let's talk about blank segment. Um, uh, this this question came from, uh, like we said earlier, one of our newest patrons. Uh, his name is Matthew. Uh, Matthew wrote us, My wizard started off the campaign by attempting to mind wipe the merchant at a magic item store and steal something. Later, when encountering a dragon, that same wizard thought it would be a good idea to attempt to steal the egg it was guarding without any attempt at communication. I felt completely unprepared for it. I learned to make all my merchants badass Smart. so that my so that my zero layers so that if my players steal they had best earn it or get wrecked. I could use some tips for the noob DM. I don't want the player to quit. Just stop acting like he can get away with anything. Is there a fun way to punish him? Punishment sounds dirty, but you know what I mean. But there's lots of things you can do with this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. We we talk all the time about um, the law of the land, making laws for your world. Um, And we talk all the time about punishment from the outside world the law coming in whatever powers that be uh finding out about this somehow and uh acting accordingly yeah kind of in, the, in a similar way I, I do believe indian all actions should have consequences and uh screwing around with people with magic definitely can have some consequences especially if the local sheriff in town if you will has ways of detecting magic being used in an unlawful way because I can definitely see some like artifacts or magic items being placed with that for law enforcement, especially in the high magic setting. Yeah, I, I, I actually uh, when I had responded to Matthew about this before, um, I kind of I, I agree with both of you. First of all, you talking about the wizard wanting to use magic to mind wipe the uh, the player, and I believe this was Pathfinder, but the rule the 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 spells a little bit different there, but but yeah. but it's but in in general the the point is that. Okay, let's assume it starts off in a lowly village where there's not much much enforcement for that sort of thing. They're not going to know, right? Um, but as Ian already touched on, as you get into higher levels, there'll be wards. There will be uh, tools to alert to set magic that's like that. But until you get to that point, maybe there's other people that observe this sort of thing. And the merchants talk amongst themselves. And gradually, as you're going through this this process that they constantly are doing it, the merchants become a little more and more um, uh, hesitant to deal with you, maybe because every time uh, you run into one, somebody documents your description and what they saw, and it starts to pass around between the the merchants, and they're starting to get word of this trickster wizard who's manipulating them to to get uh, whatever advantage or steal. Either they're getting discounts or just outright stealing shit. So at that point, they maybe they start to not want to give the any sell anything to the play, to the players. Or maybe just like another customer in there that the players didn't know who was kind of in, in, in the little corner. Or mm-hmm. like the uh, shopkeeper's assistant who saw the whole thing go down that the players didn't notice. Like, um... And then pass on the word. And pass on the word, either to that merchant and to the merchant's guild, and they all communicate amongst each other. You know, that's kind of how, you know, merchants work. Or the local law enforcement. Um, And then passing that on to local law enforcement. I mean, how are those players going to feel when they come into the next town with a giant wanted sign that beware of this bastard wizard who manipulates and steals from you, you know? Um, It really puts them on on toe. Um, The other thing is when he wanted to steal the egg, I think that a dragon's egg, A, isn't 
small and B, um, is something of significant value. First of all, I don't think that it would be very difficult for a wizard to succeed at stealing a dragon's egg. But if they manage to accomplish that, what are the drawbacks to that? Are they, can they just sell it? Are they carrying this big-ass thing around with them? And if it is, who else is going to see it? And is anybody else going to want that? Are they now going to target the adventurers because they want this? Or is the dragon going to hire other people? Say, hey, I'll give you something out of my hoard if you go and get my egg back. Something along those lines. Though I feel like, depending on the dragon, they might just wreck everything till they find it. Yep. The other thing, uh, and actually there was something in here that he had said that I kind of had a... a uh, a little bit of an, an issue with, and that would be um, making the the merchants badass. In my opinion, I think that's too easy of a way out. But that's uh, I could see former adventurers finding like a everyday job and sell down one. Too. I would agree, and in in most cases, I think that would be acceptable. But I think that that uh, at least for a first time out is sure. a little just too on the nose because they're then the player's just going to feel like you're going out of your way to to hinder him as a player as opposed to something that makes sense within the setting um so i would be a little more careful for that now if you go into something like uh you know baldur's gate or 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 water deep you're more likely to encounter either wards or ex-adventures who are the merchants but the biggest thing though is honestly we all we agree on that actions mm-hmm. have consequences and the more logical you make the, the reactions yes the better cody says or if they sell it the merchant might know the one who got stolen from and call the authorities and that's that's spot on the, that's stuff that makes sense within the story as opposed to oh they keep stealing well now the guy's gonna whip their ass um, instead, it's what happens if they contact the authorities, they become bandits, or they are no longer allowed to, They nobody will sell to them. Because what's going to happen when the merchants won't sell to your players? It's going to fuck up their shit. Or when down the line, another thing that could work is merchant does inventory, no stuff is missing, gives out a description, including the watermark that's on the stolen goods, it's passed around. Kind of what Cody here was saying. Right. But like we said, though, at least do so in a way that makes logical sense. Yeah. Anytime it comes to bad decisions, um, actually, he had asked about us doing an episode about consequences. And there's one I've been tossing around about doing one that's all about laws of the land and what is the acceptable punishment for different things. And I think that that could be a good template for decisions like this. So... All right, Matthew. Well, we hope we answered your question. If we didn't, feel free to complain about it in the chat since you're here. <laughs> okay. Do you want my brain just went to when you said like a loss of land and acceptable punishment? What's that? For punishment for your crimes, we're going to put your scrotum in a vice and tighten it. <laughs> oh, God. Ha! ha! Joke's on you! I'm a eunuch! Ha! Oh, son of a bitch, uh, dude. Oh, crap. Um, we are uh, not sure where to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stitch one back on. <laughs> So that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Now, uh, we will be moving on to our interview with DM Scotty. Scotty! We hope you enjoy. I am really excited for our show today. Um, We are about to do an interview with somebody I have followed on YouTube for a long time. It's true. (laughs) Back in my good old 4th edition days when I got hardcore into modular terrain design. Um, because I got tired of using the same square blocks over and over and over uh, that came with kind of my my fourth edition kit. Um, I found DM Scotty's YouTube page, and it was amazing. Uh, if you guys don't know, you ha- you help teach people to build modular terrain. Ah, um, uh, yes, yes. Uh, DM Scotty, can you uh, tell us a little bit of, about yourself? Yeah, um, I 
I, you know, kind of went through the life thing and I uh, got out of D&D for quite a while. You know, I had kids and everything. And I, did, I played a little bit with the kids uh, through the years, and it was more theater of the mind type stuff and maps and that, that thing. But then some friends of mine at work said, oh, let's play some D&D. And I was kind of the one that had really only dungeon mastered before, so I got nominated. And I wanted, I wanted to bring more to the table than just like maps and theater of the mind. I wanted kind of like, and we were playing, started playing fourth edition, so, you know, it really kind of begs for terrain, right? You it know, does, really right. Kind of maps and terrain. So I started thinking of ways that I could do it cheaply, and that's how I got started. And I thought, well, I think people would like these ideas. I might as well do a few videos. I just threw a camera down, you know, started shooting some videos. They were just, they're not that great, but, you know, I just started throwing, like, throwing them up there, and they just caught on, you know, and people just, loved them so i just kept making more and more and i'm still making them nice yeah they're 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 amazing like i said I, the very first one you did if correct me if i'm wrong you actually went back and remade that one right the very like the first did, episode yeah. um yeah. and it it really that's something that really uh got got my engine uh fired um before we get we get into that I've been a big fan of yours, so of course I'm going to use this opportunity to uh, to pick your brain, not as the DM Scotty, the, the DM's craft man, but as you as a DM in general. Would you tell us a little bit about your most memorable D&D moment? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there, there are a lot, but this one kind of really stands out to me, right? And, you know, I what, what really gets my engine going for, like, those moments is, like, character choice, right? What the characters, what the character chooses is the most interesting thing to me. It's not what ability you use to get past the magic door. It's not whatever, you know, plan you have to sneak past the guy. It's what choice you have to make. Sometimes you have a bad choice and a worse choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> those are the moments that I love as a DM. And right. this was one of those moments. And the players were just kind of emotionally just reeling from this. It was, it was pretty brutal. So uh, I'll set it up for you. Definitely. The players had been through this, uh, we're going through this castle, and they had run into this minor villain, and it was kind of expected that they would kill the minor villain, right? Mm -hmm. But the minor villain lived. He, he ended up living, and uh, so that's always interesting in the game when that happens, right? Yeah, because usually they expect to just mow everything down and be done with it. Right, right. So the way it worked out is he, he managed to survive. He also captured one of the players... Um, before they escaped through this portal. That's okay? awesome. Yoink. But they but they took this key so that he couldn't follow them, right? So the player uh, was telling me, well, I kind of like to make a new character. And I said, okay, let's do this. I'm going to have that character that was captured killed, all right? <laughs> you just go along with it. You don't say anything about, don't tell them that you know about it, right? So... They ended up helping this elf who was part of this uh, evil organization, and she was going to be, they were going to execute her, or they were going to assassinate her. Someone else in the, in the group was going to assassinate her. And so they helped her get, get, you know, survive, survive that. And so she befriended them and turned against the enemies, right? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, for her part in, the, in joining this cult, her, her family had been cursed. It was this family curse. And her brother had this malady where he was like this giant mutated elf. So he was like, you know, had one small arm, one large arm, and he was he was kind of mentally deficient, but, you know, but he still had the little elf ears and like, it's kind of like this ogre thing, right? <laughs> oh, that's so he awesome. was kind of lurking around in the adventure, you know, and they they they, they saw him a couple times and that he, they had a little bit of interaction with him. 
So she said, okay, I know this enemy that you, you know, that, that has captured your friend. I'm going to try to go there through back through the gate. They gave her the key. I'm going to go back through the gate, rescue your friend and come back uh, before you leave because they had to leave in these crates that they were going to go into this, uh, these wyverns were going to fly them up to this castle, right? And they had this special magic whistle that could control that. She gave it to them. Nice. And That's so, awesome. so they were going to fly up in these crates and pretend like they were cargo or treasure or whatever, right? So they're they're waiting for her to come back, you know, and she comes down this path where the portal was from this portal, and she's like just messed up, you know. She's bloody. She's got some kind of mal, obviously some kind of malady, like. And she, she has something, she was cursed and she had these black veins, you know, and all this stuff. And she's stumbling down the path without her, without their friend. And she falls in front of them, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what's happening? And she's like, you know, he, he you know, he discovered me and I wasn't able to, 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 to save your friend. He, you know, he killed your friend. And they're like, what? You know, because they had no idea. Right. Yeah. And they left their friend. Like they had the choice. <laughs> To like the friend, their friend had been captured. They had the choice to leave and get away, or to fight this overwhelming force and try to save their friend, which would have been really dangerous, right? Of course, they were they were beat up at the point at this point, right? So they said, okay, they're like, oh, Scott won't do anything like that. He won't kill him or anything. <laughs> so, so they go through the portal, right? And then they find this out, and they're reeling from this. They're like, oh my god, what? <laughs> And, you know, the guy's, like, hamming it up. He's like, you let me die? You let, you let the guy take me and kill me and all this stuff? And they're like, oh, God, it's so awful. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, cringing. And then she's like, she's like, hurry, he's following me back through the portal. You've got to hide. And so they run and get in these crates that they're going to, the wyverns are going to pick up. So they're, mm-hmm. I don't know, about 30 feet away from where she fell. Okay. So... The enemy, the enemy comes down the, the path and he's got his elite guard and everything. And he's like, why did you betray us? And, you know, and, you know, I had, I had, you made me do this. And then he starts talking to her about, you know, you made me kill our child because she's pregnant with his child. Oh, so he, shit. you know, he put this curse on her wow. and basically this malady and is killing her. And, you know, so he's like, you know, mad at her for doing this. And the players are like, oh my God, this is awful. And so then I had not only that, but I had the brother run out, the mutated brother. He's like, no. He's like, because he's about to kill her. He right. pulls up his blade and he's about to kill her. And his brother, her brother comes lumbering out, you know, scoops her up and is holding her like, no, sister. And so the, her, his guard just starts stabbing the brother wow. and her, you know, in front of the players. And they're like in these crates, hiding in these crates like cowards. What? You know, it just keeps like, getting worse. They're, they're witnessing this horrible scene, you know, and he's like, no, sister, I love you, and all this stuff. And they're stabbing him, you know. And I, I, like, I wish the audience stop. could see how animated you are. It's glorious. <laughs> their faces, like, well, their faces were just, you know, just mortified. And then, like, so, you know, then, the, then the, 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 her brother just falls to the ground in a bloody heap. And so then I made it. Then I turned it up a notch, right? Even worse than that. <laughs> you could turn it up from there. <laughs> I, t- I turned it up from there. So there's a warlock in the player, and I, or there's a warlock in the party. I've never done this before, but I allowed him to be evil, right? Okay. And he is, he's working for his patron because they're 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 going to fight Tiamat at the end, right? Okay. This is whole ritual to raise Tiamat. It's, right, right. Uh, it's the horde of the Dragon Queen or whatever, and they're going to raise Tiamat. So. Uh, what what he wants to do is usurp the ritual 
from the from raising Tiamat and raise his patron oh, as like the snap. Nice. Right, right, that right, is right. Awesome. So, yeah, so so the patron's like uh, giving him this sack that he that he uh he wasn't sure what he was gonna do with it, right? He didn't know what to do with it, but his right. patron directed him to get this thing. So his patron tells him now he says he says, capture the soul of this child, you know, in the sack. And he's like, yes. And so he opens the sack and like the soul comes swirling up of the baby, you know, in the air and like flies into to his crate. And like the enemy sees it. And <laughs> the players are like, what? You know, and like, what did you do? You know, oh like, so the enemy starts to walk over there. Like what's going on, you know? And then like they blow the whistle and that's when the wyverns come and like fly them away. <laughs> wow but that but yeah that was it so it was just like yeah that was like a very emotional um scene yeah i yeah. i i can barely take it in and you're just telling me about it i'm cracking up i couldn't imagine being a player invested in that when that that stuff's going on i mean yeah right man this is uh that's almost as twisted as when a player we dubbed Baby Killer told us her backstory. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> For the record, that backstory is why we call her Baby Killer. <laughs> I love those things the players choose, you know? Yes, that's, that, is an, that is by far probably the best, best memorable nice, D&D nice. moment that I've, I've, I've heard. I just, you shook me to my core with that, man. That's amazing. <laughs> What an amazing experience. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So I have a question for you. I think that one of the the parts of being a uh, role player, whether you're DM or player, is there are moments in our gaming career, I suppose, where uh, we fail at something. Is there a Mm -hmm. moment where you have failed either as a DM or a player? And if so, did you learn from it? Uh, Yeah, you know, I think, you know, you always have these little failures uh, when you DM, but usually the players don't know about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's more on yourself. Like you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I kind of, I kind of not happy about the way I handle that, or I, you know, I whatever. And you definitely learn from those. Like you learn, you you will just get better as you DM more. You will get better and better. You know. Right. But even that, but even a D, a good DM can have a bad night, right. and you just. Like nothing's clicking right or, you know, whatever. There are some nights where everything is on full cylinders. It's fantastic, you know, and there are other nights where it's just kind of, eh, it's there, you know, it's, it's okay, but it's not, it's not as good as it could be. And, you know, it's just, that's just the nature of it. You know, I, I don't think you should really beat yourself up for that uh, because, you know, we're, we're human beings and we ju- you're just going right, to have right. better days than others. Oh, yeah. You know? But, um, yeah, you have those little mistakes. I've never really had a catastrophic failure, I think, that I've, that, oh, I will never, ever do that again. I've had little, more little failures that I've learned from. Is there a particular one out of all those you could, you know, cherry pick and uh, maybe tell right. us about? I f- I'm not a great reader of text, right? Oh. Yeah, like going. when you read it, you know, I don't like people reading text anyway. It sounds like you're reading text. Right, right. But I'm, not, I'm really not good at it. So when I read text, I really sound like I'm reading text. So I don't do that. I just summarize in my own words I have to do that. Uh, me personally, I have to okay. do. Like I summarize in my own words what the text is because if I read it, it sounds like I'm reading text. And, and, and people, 
fall asleep. I was going to say, and let's be honest, they're not paying attention when you're reading the text anyway half the time. No, so. they're not. They're not, actually. They're not no. really paying uh, I think I've talked about it on the show before. One of my favorite features of like playing on like Roll Twenty is that if I need to, I can just copy and paste the dialogue in there, so they don't got to keep asking me what I said already. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, so I yeah, definitely can definitely. Uh, see that. Now, how long would you say you've been playing Dungeons and Dragons, or Gee, role playing I, in general? Yeah, yeah. I played a lot when I was a teenager. You know, the early AD and D and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I'm 54, so you know you can do the math. Uh, but you know, and then, like I said, I got out of it and I played some with the kids <laughs> and, uh, then, you know, like I said, the group, it's been, uh, probably about 15 years I've been back into it. Okay. In in all that experience and all that time, specifically, maybe even t- talking about uh, fifth edition, since it's the most current edition, is there any special house rules or classes that you could share with uh, our listeners of Crit Nation, something that you do um, that's not nor- part of the normal rules and something you feel is needed in your game? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I love the uh, the advantage-disadvantage mechanic. I agree. And you can use more than just for, like, normal rules, right? You can use yeah. it, um, you know, for other things. And what I use it for is... If the if players are helping another player do something, then I give that player that one player advantage. So if so, say for example, you know you have a perception check, right? Mm-hmm. And you might have a you might have a, a situation where one player would make the perception check because they're in the only spot that could see the perception, right? right? Right. But usually it's the whole party would have the chance, and a mm-hmm. lot of people have everybody roll for the perception, right? Somebody's going to make the roll, right? Right. Right. Right? Yeah, I mean, the chances are, if you have, like, six players like I do, someone is going to make their role, right? Usually. Even, even someone with a, you know, that's not that good in it. Okay. So what I do is, if everybody's kind of looking out and helping, I have the player with the best skill roll the role, but roll it with advantage. Okay. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. So not everybody's having to roll every time, you know, and that kind of thing. Well, and what, what's cool about that is, A, you get rid of all the dice rolling, but B you significantly increase the the chance of failure while at the same time giving them the illusion that they have more of a chance of at success. Right, right. Um, They're getting some benefit from it, but it's not like, oh, we're always going to make it because somebody's going to make the roll. Right, and, and the fact yeah. that you call out the person with the highest skill, which which makes sense. Um, right, right, that's, right. That is really... That is interesting. I don't think I've ever, I don't know why I never thought of that. And I want you to know that I'm going to, in fact, steal that from you. So thank you for that. Oh, cool. There is one other thing I've been doing. Um, You know how, you know, to spell magic and, you know, it can, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and that kind of thing. Yeah. I found that it's really interesting to allow the spell magic uh, to work on things that would not normally work on, Mm -hmm. but let it be temporary. Like, Say there's an artifact, and you, of course you're not gonna be able to spell the magic from an artifact, right? Uh-huh. But maybe if you cast if you cast a spell magic on it, you can have a minute or so where you can get past it before oh, the magic reacts. Like treating it like like sort of dampening the effects as opposed exactly. to removing. Exactly. So just temporary damper, and that works really good because it drains the resource, the spells of the people who are. You're still having to give up something. You know, you're right, not you getting it. that effect, but you're having to give up something which is a valuable resource, your spell slots. Right, right. Yeah. But you'll be able to get past something, and if and if they run into a complication, they may have to cast it again. 
Right. You know, like, oh, it's the effect is coming back up. You got to cast that again or whatever. So, so yeah, with, I like to do that. With that, it's not an all or nothing. It's there's a little bit of gray area in between that we can work with. Which, exactly. That's exactly. I've never. I, so okay, now I'm gonna get kind of uh, power gamey on you. If mm-hmm. I am a player and I. I am a wizard and I run into a guy with a flaming, you know, sword that's lit on fire and I wanted to do, you know, dispel magic, uh, would you uh, either allow it to dim for a certain amount of time or weaken the damage? How would you rule something like that? That That's a really interesting point because I've never had that happen in my game. Yet. <laughs> They've asked to do that. It's been like usually magical effects. Right, right. That they're doing. Like I had, I had one thing where uh, there was this, they went into this, Yanti uh, uh, caverns, mm-hmm. and I had these eyes of you know the the Yanti gods, and they were they started like dropping out serpents, like serpents started pouring out of the eye. Mm-hmm. I had armor, like a set of armor, kind of in a pile at the bottom of the pillar, and the serpents were crawling in the armor and like forming into <laughs> like a person, right? You know, oh, and nice. serpents That's are cool. fall, you know yeah. crawling between the plates and stuff. You know, coming out the eyes of the helmet and all this, oh, and then yeah, yeah, pretty bad. But the per, the, but the one of the players saw this happening and cast a spell magic on the eye that was creating these serpents. Mm-hmm. And so what I had was I had the creature still spawn, but it was like it was like janky, like it was walking all all. <laughs> like it wasn't totally filled with serpents, so it was like walking all you know slow. And it was like I gave it half hit points because she had stopped the effect. That is so that so was cool. interesting. That made it really. That made that that kind of just normal encounter really interesting. That's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. Like what's really of, and what's really cool about that is because you're taking a utility ability and giving it a lot more uh, versatility, I would say. And that, uh-huh. in, think by doing that, you are directly telling your players, "I want you to find interesting ways to use your abilities besides just blowing shit up and stabbing it." And right, right. having a wizard, when you've got to pick between the uses of your spell slots, it can be risky. Either I can I can blow something up, or I can try this and maybe it'll work. But right. by having a gray area in there, it's a little bit less risk for them and, and is more encouraging that sort of train of thought. And I love that. And right. the thing occurred to me when I drove you nuts when I kept them casting Banish on a dragon. Yeah, you're a bastard. <laughs> so they're, they're little, they're, they're, was that the one you guys were doing the sky battle? Yeah. Oh. Banishing my dragons right out of the sky. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Um, it worked. <laughs> that's a good example. You used a utility. They were literally in mid-combat. And he's just like, he did the Thanos snap pretty much. Um, okay, so now that we've talked a little bit about uh, you know you and your DMing, we kind of went over briefly about the, the DM's craft. Um, I have uh, you know a few questions in regards to the, the specifics of the, the DM's craft. Oh, um, yeah, sure. You... you what you do is an art crafting these terrain pieces in, in, you know, the, the, the different uh, models you make. Like I once made one of the little pillar columns you made that was broken. I think in your example, it was like a big ogre guy knocked it down and you made the two different parts that, you know, then separated and created like a broken terrain, right. um, which was just baller by the way. Um, <laughs> do you, it, do, do you have like a background in art or something that helps with the DMs craft or, is that something you've developed over time because you do the DMs craft? Uh, I, I I did take I was an art major in high school, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's really nothing beyond that. Uh, but I just I, I've always you know loved you know drawing and painting and that kind of thing. 
And I, I used to play a lot of war games. I used to play a lot of 40K and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I, I made terrain, you know, for that. Okay. I made all kinds of terrain for that. But when I started this channel, I was like, you know, I, I was going to make a lot of terrain and I didn't want to spend a lot of money. So I was like, well, how can I make this stuff look really cool without spending a ton of cash? And that was kind of what, a, you know, the, the theme that I ran with for the, the DMs craft. Yeah, and it and it, it it like I said, it definitely showed for somebody like me who was using like the D and D fourth edition tiles. Those were expensive to want to keep buying the sets. Um, oh to, yeah, to stumble across your site that says, "Hey, with glue, or with with a glue gun, a little bit of spray paint and some <laughs> cardboard, you can make some badass looking terrain." Let me show you right. how it's done. Right. Um, right. You know, with some spray paint, some cotton balls, and some toothpicks, <laughs> we can do wonders. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I first saw your channel, I th I literally thought to myself, "This is D and D MacGyver." <laughs> I'll never forget that. I've been called the Bob Ross of crafting too. Oh, that's a good one. And here's some happy little bushes <laughs> <laughs> right here. Happy little bushes over here, and there's a there's a deadly uh, Umber Hulk uh, right over here, and oh, right here behind this door. We're just going to put a powerful necromancer just for you. Yeah. And you have an angel's little pin over here. And, <laughs> and the necromancer, he's smiling. He's happy to see you. <laughs> um, so I was wondering, would you be able to kind of walk us through you, the development process? Um, you talked a little bit about how it kind of came to be. Can you walk us through the process from where you started to, to, to where you're at now and that journey? Can you take us on that journey with you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my technique has evolved somewhat. And, uh, you know, I started with a 2.5D, which means, people that don't know, it's simulated walls. So the walls don't get in the way of play because when you're playing, because coming from that war game background, we used to stand up. So mm -hmm. having all that 3D terrain was fine. But when you're sitting down eating your Cheetos, you know, you don't <laughs> want to stand up all night, right? Right. You don't want to stand up and look at the terrain all night. So I, I wanted to think of a way that everybody could see everything. If you have all these walls and all this 3D stuff, you can't really see the terrain. So, um, you know, I tried to make it so that you could do that, and that was where the 2.5D came from. Then I kind of did a little more modular where I did the 2.5D next, which was just the walls that you mm -hmm. placed on a mat. Yep. And then my newest iteration is called Tilescapes, DM Scotty's Tilescapes, not to be confused with the printable Tilescapes. But anyways, <laughs> DM Scotty's Tilescapes, which are basically I just use either um, – uh, craft foam or cork boards, okay. and I use stamps. I make stamps out of foam core to hmm. stamp the texture on, nice. and I do both sides. So you can turn it over, and you have one texture on one side and another texture on another side. You're getting double duty out of one tile, and I don't put the walls on the tiles anymore. Okay. So that saves – you can really be modular. You can make anything because you don't have to worry about the placement of the walls, right? right, right. Now I might put windows or other things at the edge of the tiles to kind of give the illusion. Mm -hmm. I call it isometric. I've been told that's not true because it's 3D. <laughs> but, you know, it look, to me it reminds me of like 3D isometric essentially right, right. what I'm doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that kind of – it gives you – like I might do a cathedral and I, I do what I call fronts where it's the front of the cathedral, okay – Mm -hmm. And then it's open. The whole building's open in the back. There's no sides or roof or anything. And I'll put the tiles down, and I might put windows on the sides of it mm -hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. So it kind of defines that space even though there's no walls. There's there. wow. It's all invisible walls. But you're getting the flavor, you know, of the space. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my newest, my, the newest, the latest way I do it. Yeah, I I've checked out the the the, the two point five and then the the when you did the blocks. You've got so many videos. I haven't seen the new ones yet, 
Um, I've got like se almost 700 videos, so that's totally understandable. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I think that when I was watching it religiously, I made it into the hundreds, and then you mm -hmm. came out with this new one that was about making like spell effects, and that drew me away from the terrain to trying to make spell effects, and I'm like, <laughs> he's got too much stuff for me to do. Um, I know, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> All right, with a popsicle stick and some fishing line, we can do. <laughs> um, so, when you're going through your your modular designs, specifically for like your 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 YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, is it YouTube.com/slash DM Scotty? What is your YouTube channel? Uh, it's the DM's Craft. If you type in the DM's Craft, you'll easily find in any browser. You easily find the DM, my channel. Nice. You'll probably um, find me too if you type in DM Scotty too, because that's all you know. That's all over my work too. Days like it helps with the mind's eye, and everyone is very similar. We're just describing each person may interpret it a little bit different. That is, yes, so that's definitely advantage over using uh, DM Scotty's uh, DM's craft terrain, where when you do theater of the mind like I do now, um, people do perceive things differently. So you will get the question, "Where am I relation to this sort of thing?" So that's one of the biggest advantages that. Um, uh, I love about you know modular terrain is there is no question about it and more right. importantly I don't have to draw it you know right. <laughs> and actually that's what <laughs> and generally speaking that's actually why I prefer playing on maps right right because I have been I'll admit nine times out of ten theater of the mind works just fine but there have been some times here and there where some descriptions are given definitely create some interesting interpretations especially one time where we're in the Amazing like, Cave area I'm like, I take this on me you don't see him what. <laughs> Right, right, well, and, right. And, and there are so there are definitely shortcomings of theater of the mind, and that's where this train. And actually, before we started uh, here, uh, DM Scotty, we were actually just talking that uh, as of late, I've been more theater of the mind. But after setting up this beautiful scene that I did for my players, which includes yep, you, yep. Um, I'm thinking more that I'll do theater of the mind for the lighter stuff, and then when I've got those big boss battles, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to using all these big trains because I kind of miss this. This is beautiful setup. I think I to put some pictures on our. Uh, yeah our patreon uh thing but man uh it's just it's it's gorgeous and beautiful and thank you <laughs> and i guess and i guess no, another plus side that terrain has over like if you have to mind is like let's say somebody cast fireball so how many enemies can i have with fireball um two whereas like, wait, <laughs> right right where's the map oh, okay hit those five guys no problem boom <laughs> Yeah, there's no question where it's going to hit or what it, you know. Right, right. Yeah, there's those there's... kind of questions. Uh, now, this is this is interesting, and I hadn't really thought of it this way, but recently, uh, you guys know uh, um, Hankard Fresnel, uh, Drunkards and Dragons, Runehammer. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I he's, do. I don't know. He's a, a crazy genius. He's an amazing genius. So uh, I love his system, by the way, called uh, Index Card RPG. I play mm -hmm. that a lot, but I, I I'm a big D and D player. My group loves D and D. So, but anyways. Um, he said something on one of his podcasts lately that really resonated with me. Uh, it was that he said that you need uh, when you're when you're doing these stories, when we're sitting around the table telling these stories, you need a campfire, okay? And what that means is you need something to look at, okay. right? Whether it's terrain or a graphic mm -hmm. or whatever. You need something to focus on. And he says, I am not backing down from this. Like, I will not, like, I am saying this definitively. I, I will not back down from this. this. Is how no matter how many arguments I get, I, I totally believe this. And I am so on board with that because even when I don't, like, I run online games and I don't always use map, you know, certain maps. I'll just, uh, what I'll do is I'll put a picture of the area up. Yep. And that, that will be the fireplace. That will be the campfire, right? Sure. That's kind of. 
the thing that sets the mood right, right. of the scene, even though it's not specific where everybody is, it sets, still sets that mood. So, but terrain even goes further than that right, right. and really draws you into this world, right? You notice that with your players, right? When you just played this last game, yes. and you set that thing down, it drew them into that world. Like there was, there was nothing else going on. They were there. They were in that world. And that's what's so amazing about that campfire, that terrain. Does that sound familiar, Ian? Is that how you felt when I unveiled that? Yes. <laughs> Because uh, he hasn't been with me since I uh, I I because I used to do this heavily, like I said, in fourth edition, and I kind of right. moved away from it in, in fifth edition. And um, for you to see all the work that I put into that, it, it shows. Stuff. And you were the the look of awe in both you and Matt's eyes was just oh hello. It was like what the hell is this? It looks <laughs> awesome. Um, so it it was a lot of work and a lot of work thanks to you. Um, it I made see it good possible. Things here. <laughs> well, I never you. see good things here. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It's worth it just for that. Not gonna lie. Yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah. that's really that sounds like a, a a lot of a lot of work. Um, in your process. And generally speaking, for this next question, what kind of uh, challenges do you feel that you've run into over the years as you're trying to get all this terrain built together or trying to focus on one element in particular? Oh, yeah. Like what kind of cha challenges I have to overcome? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's like you, you, what I think about a lot for when I make terrain is playability, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can, you could spend a week making this awesome castle encounter that, that, you know, this huge castle or whatever that they're only going to play in once. Like how many times are you going to use that? So what I do is when I have the terrain, I, you know, I don't worry about having every single thing built out. Like I did a castle encounter where I used a map of the castle. And then when I had encounters, I set stuff down to have the encounter as opposed to laying the whole castle out. Oh. That would have taken me weeks and weeks and weeks to try to craft all this, and they didn't even go through the whole castle, right? So, right. you know, you got you, you, you. I think being smart about the terrain, being modular about the terrain, um, and using my techniques, the quick techniques, because like when I would tilescapes, there's no walls, so I don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. Also, I can stamp different the different sides. I stamp the different textures, right? So you can I can stamp out a, a whole dungeon in an hour. You know what I'm oh, saying? Wow. If nice. you had to carve that out of foam or whatever, you'd be you'd be weeks it carving time, all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know the, the those boring squares. You know, it's like the boring square dungeon. <laughs> yeah. You know, is is kind of the antithesis of me. You know, I like to have more interesting. So I do different colors of stone. You know, sandstone, bluish stone, greenish stone. You know, and with the tilescapes, you can do that quickly. Right. And if I ha I'm having a game coming up, I can finish it. I can actually finish it. <laughs> if I got to carve all that on foam or something, I, I may not be able to get all that done because I can do with the stamps. I can do crazy patterns and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that's it's actually happened wrong. happened to me. Um, I was laying out. This was you know a couple years ago when I was doing uh, still using all the modular terrain, and I was getting frustrated because I sp was running out of time to build the terrain. And I mm -hmm. was doing less work on actually making sure my story was flushed out and everything was ready. So when the time came, I was only half prepared on both. So if you've developed a, a newer, oh, faster right. technique, that's that's amazing. Of course, I'm right, lazy, right. so if I wouldn't have waited to like the last couple of days, I probably would have had that problem. <laughs> but uh, I'm a bit of a pro uh, master procrastinator. Um, but uh, so if you've got, a, I'm I'm gonna definitely have to check out the the new technique you got going on because it sounds fabulous. 
yeah, check out the my Tilescapes uh, playlist because uh, there's a lot of great uh, time saver techniques. And what's your favorite part of uh, of working with D- DMs Craft? Um, my favorite part is seeing the players' faces when I lay this stuff down. Um, you know, artists will not say, may not admit this, but when people admire your work, it, it, you know, it's just, it's just a great feeling when someone says, whatever, whatever art you do, right? Whether right. you do a painting or whatever you do, when someone admires it, that's just, you swell with pride, right? right. And when I lay this stuff down, you know, and their faces like go wow, and they're like, they're so drawn into this world, that is such a reward to me. Sure. I totally get that. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's definitely the favorite part is the reveal. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? And I personally experienced that again yesterday, and I actually had forgotten that feeling. Because it's one thing to have a reveal and like a plot twist, but to just – I had a cloth over it. So just to pull a cloth off this and watch them go <gasps> – I don't have that when I run theater of the mind. Right. Yeah. You um, won't have that. Yeah. Yeah. You won't have that, but no, <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing feeling. So you have been, how long have you been doing the DMS craft? How long have you, you've been making these videos? You said you got 700 of them. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like six years now. It might be a little longer than that actually. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. In all the content that you've made and everything that's a part of your, your either part of your, your DMs Craft YouTube page or something you've done for yourself, is there a product that you would say is your favorite or your greatest creation? Like an evil doctor? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm really happy with the uh, purple worm build I did because so many people found it useful and got joy out of it and like, wow, I can make something cool out of junk. I mean, it's basically like toilet paper rolls, you know, <laughs> toothpicks, you know, and some bro- some sand, you know, it's like, and a glue gun, you know, it's like, and white, wow, I, I you know, I, I made this really cool, terrifying monster out of just junk. And that's, you know, that's, that's great. You know, when, when I see people uh, enjoy, you know, crafting what I, and they feel that they, my goal has always been to make people feel that they can do it. Right. You know, you can look at some of these amazing terrains and people can be like, uh, there's no way I could ever do that. You know, um, it's going to take me years just to learn all these techniques. Right. But I want it to be fe- to feel that after you sit down for ten minutes and watch this video, you can do it. And I find that people can. You know, you are very successful in that because as a person who has loved this product, every time you figure you did something and I watched the video, I'm like, I can, I, I can do that. Now, to 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 your amazing credit. I did do that, but still, it didn't look nearly as good as yours. <laughs> I, I was ta- every time I made one, I'm just thinking to myself, he must have made like a thousand of these before he recorded it. <laughs> I you know, that's, get it quite that's right. fine. That's fine because when you lay that on the table, that's a hundred times better than a map. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they're actually experiencing the terrain you know, that you've built for them. And even if you don't think it's the greatest creation ever – it's still something that they're focusing on and they're moving into that. They're mentally moving into that world. You know, I'm not curious what you, what you can do with a sack full of marbles. Do you have a video that involves a sack full of marbles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but um, you could really, you know, I'm really, I'm really loving lighting late, uh, lately because the LED, LEDs oh, are yeah. so small and that kind of thing, uh-huh. you know, and I've been doing like crazy stuff with it. 
And my videos haven't quite caught up with it yet, but I did do this lich video recently where it's like floating on this, you know, magic cloud of magic where these lightning bolts are coming out. They're all lit up and the lich's staff is all lit up and it's a lot easier than you would think. Um, so yeah, uh, you could use marbles to like, you know, transmit light, you know, put them on some terrain and then have the so you cool. know, light come through them and that kind of thing. So that could be really cool. That sounds awesome. Like he even had an answer for you. <laughs> oh, and you mentioned the lighting. And actually, over on my table here, one of the things you used to make was like a, a, a take a tea light and make a little uh, bra brazier. Yeah, I always say oh, brazier, yeah. but it's not brazier; it's brazier. It, it, that, that's a very different thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, brazier, right? and <laughs> it looks, it gives off this great feeling. And to uh -huh. to do more with that, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta catch up, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, check out some of my newer videos. Yeah, yeah I'm like, I'm, I'm when I'm 100 videos in, I'm 600 videos behind. <laughs> and yeah. you know, my production value has really, really ramped up. You know, I've got new equipment, oh, you know, yeah. be better everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm much more savvy, video savvy, and everything. So, my videos are have just leaped in, you know, production value. So, a little practice goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> and it's been a lot of practice. So. <laughs> well, that made videos, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and all the um the work that you do and all the inspiration um in the that you create for us and the valuable resource you are to us do you have a favorite resource that you go to when um either creating content for your um game or f even for your show or your, oh, your right, right. youtube channel uh, yeah, um, I, you know, I like I like to watch. Um, I'm in the Tabletop Crafters Guild. I like to, you know, we love to to encourage each other and watch each other's vids. Mm -hmm. um, we all have different approaches. Uh, you know, Wylock's uh, crafting vids and um, Black Magic Crafts vids and that kind of thing, uh, as well as DMG Info. We're the kind of the guild masters of the cra Tabletop Crafters Guild. Uh, <laughs> we also have a, a Facebook group called the Tabletop Crafters Guild. So if you want to join that, you're more than welcome. There's all there's links below my vids to join that. So that's easy. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm just I, I'm really inspired by everybody. I you know I watch um, uh, Runehammer. You know, uh, Drunkards and Dragons. Um, and, you know, I watch uh, the other crafters that are in, you know, the other groups are that, you know, the have smaller channels and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The crafting news, you know, different. I try to watch as many of the other crafters as I can. Um, and, you know, it's just all I'm all we're all inspired by each other, I think. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Resources. They're great to help <laughs> no matter who you are. It's like having minions. You can always use minions. Um, Minion, clean my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so uh dm scotty as we're we're bringing this inner we're reining in this interview we're bringing it to a close and i'm sad because i'm really having a blast he is uh I'm, yeah this is great thanks guys i'm feeling like a fireball and mage right now and i'm just blowing it up <laughs> you know <laughs> um, point not as much as, as after we went, we went to tony's just saying. oh man that was terrible um <laughs> That, there's a story behind that we don't need to get into right now. No. Um, so uh, I was wondering, is there one piece of advice that you would give our listeners in Crit Nation, either as a crafter or as a DM? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, you know, as a DM, there are, there are a lot of skills that go into being a DM, and it's going to take time. Like, there might be that rare individual that's a great DM immediately, but that, I think that's rare. Like, I've only gotten better with age and experience. Uh, I, I feel my DMing, you know, with rare exceptions is pretty great. You know, like we have, 
And I measure that by how fun I think the players, much fun the players are having. That's the only um, measurement we need, man. Fair enough. <laughs> right. And if you, they're having fun and really getting into it, then you know you're doing your job right. Right, right. Um, and as far as the crafting, you know, uh, I have I have a few videos on, like, tips to keep yourself from going nuts while you craft. <laughs> 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 because you really can... You know, it's, it's too lengthy to go into here, but you really can burn yourself out on crafting. Yes. Uh, oh, it's yeah. a lot of work, you know, okay. and or you, I, I have a lot of tips that, you you know, you can you don't burn. Don't burn yourself out on something you love. Great. After that point, how you just made. I'm curious if nothing with either peanut or walnut shells. Is it going nuts? Oh, my God. Dude, really? <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, Yes, um, and I actually suffered for that one time. Uh, the very first set of, of tiles that I made, I started and I didn't stop for like three days. By the end of it, I didn't want to do any crafting for like a couple weeks. Um, right, right. And I, after that, I regretted that because I had so much fun when I started. I was so burnt out at the end that I'm like, man. I should do it in smaller spurts. So then I started right. like focusing on like your individual, your your. I think the the one I remember specifically doing after that was this one where it's got a centerpiece where a person is like being chained, chained up in like a sacrificial chamber or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And after I did that, I'm like, that is so much better for me than trying to do like twenty different pieces at once so i can i can totally understand that it is easy to burn yourself out on something you really enjoy doing it is it is i think i think people have to be careful of that and i i do have a few videos on that so that's some advice i've learned myself over you know the course of the years i've been doing this right right um so that's really awesome crit nation is really grateful to have all your expertise on here and and sharing the the dm's craft with with all of us it is a powerful tool not only for uh dms but it's something you and the players could do together if you wanted to you um one of the sessions that i did i had my players come and we sat and crafted together and we helped build the encounters now i didn't tell them what went to what it was kind of like you're gonna find a lot of players that do that actually they help their dm with crafts you know and it's and it's a awesome. it's a cool thing to be able to sit down and do that's D and D related, but not D and D. Um, and right. it and I end up using it one time when I only had two people show up out of six. So we're like, oh, well, gotcha. do you want to yeah. help me build some of the stuff? You know, <laughs> and yeah, we had a blast. Yeah. So um, as a person who loves your product, Crit Nation would probably kill me if I didn't ask. Do you have any secret projects coming up that you can give them a little taste of? Oh, I sure do. Oh. I'm working on a full set of underwater terrain. <gasps> okay. Yeah. You, had to yeah. mention, you had to mention underwater terrain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm really trying to be interesting with it. You know, not just your standard looking rocks that you, know, you <laughs> see, you know, oh, here, here's a rock up here and here's a rock in the water. It's just, you know, maybe a different color has an algae on it or something. I'm really trying to make it unique, you know, and uh, – I'm also doing a zo- big zombie shark, which is fun. Oh, that sounds so yeah. much awesome. Now, I don't I don't know if you know, but we are actually writing an adventure for the DMs Guild right now that is under a complete underwater adventure. So, oh, that is awesome. So now I'm super excited to 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 see what you're coming up with. And now you have to oh, stop yeah. at the fish tanks store. <laughs> I got to stop at the fish tank store? No, I'll make it myself. That's how <laughs> that's how DM Scotty, that's how the DM's craft works. Um, that's right. <laughs> so that's exciting. So I, I ha- now that you've kind of opened this can of uh, eels, can't say worms because underwater go with the theme, uh, this can of eel, eels here. Worms fits. How are you? For fishing. Oh, whatever. <laughs> how are, um, do you have any special plans to deal with like the multi-layer 
um, it, uh, stuff? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, that's a good question. What I do is I kind of – I don't worry so much about the height mm-hmm. of the enemies. Now, what I do is I, I'll stand them on clear plastic containers. I use uh, little cocktail glasses. I have actually a video on flying creatures, and I do the, a similar kind of thing. I just stand them on a, uh, you know, a clear cocktail glass or whatever, um, a plastic – you can get like a dozen in one pack mm-hmm. or something – you can stand them on that, and uh, you could use dice if you wanted to denote, you know, the height or whatever. Right, right. But I really don't worry too much about it. I'm not too crazy about the measurement, you know, yeah, as far yeah. as how that goes. I'm very lenient with the measurement. It's kind of like you can move about here, you know, yeah. kind of thing. He's above you. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah, he's above <laughs> you. He's a, little, he's a little higher than you are, and that kind of thing. Uh, you can also, I, I've also done, you know, those uh, clear plastic containers that dice come in. Uh-huh. Oh, dice yeah. Vets. You can you can use one of those for a certain height mm-hmm. for like kind of a lower height and then put two of them on top. They stick together in the base, so you could use that as a higher elevation. I've been using that trick for years. Never thought yeah. to use one on top of the other. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah try it. Yeah, you can use you can so you can have a lower elevation and a higher elevation, and that you know that's for most people that's probably good enough. You know. Yeah. Sure. Edward Tate says maybe DM Scotty can work with you on your project. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're super excited for that. Uh, um, one thing that we've kind of kind of know, um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. One thing that our adventure is focusing on is how being underwater alters like spell effects in a way. Is right, that something you right. have any experience with? Uh, not much, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much with that. I really haven't done much in o- underwater adventure, so that, that's it, pretty kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's generally how how it seems to be when we ask people. It's like it's kind of one right. of those things everyone thinks is super cool, but not very many people have done a whole lot with it. So definitely want to think about it though when you run it, because yeah, you're going to have different experiences. You know, right? Like you shoot, you can't really shoot a bow. You know, you throw spears, and they're they're going to go at a you know lesser distance and that kind of thing. So yeah, you got to think about all that stuff. Yeah, I think in one in our aerial and underwater combat episode, we talked about you know instead of lightning shooting like in a straight line, it it tr- end up turning more to like a cone effect, um, right? Right. And, and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Although yeah. you could make the argument, well, it's not real lightning; it's magic. Yeah, I know, but that that's kind of one of the. I, that's I thing you could. Yeah, no, you I, could. I got you. Mm-hmm. I think we had this debate. We did. <laughs> um, all right, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. So before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, DM Scotty, do you want to give yourself a, a plug and? Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. So like I said earlier, if you just type in the DMs Craft in any browser, you'll definitely find my YouTube channel. I have a website, too, uh, that has affiliated links, so anything you, you purchase from that will, will help actually help the DMs Craft. So that's a nice little way you can do that. I have a Patreon, and those people have really helped me you know, like improve my equipment and that kind of thing, improve my production. So just thanks to those people. I, I am on Twitter, but I really don't use it much except just to post that I have new videos. Mm-hmm. And we have the Facebook group, the um, the Tabletop Crafters Guild, which is over 20,000 crafters in it. Wow. So you will be in, you go there and you'll be inspired. And we try to keep it, you know, on topic, on crafting. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a, you know, great group of people. We don't allow people who, you know, kind of bully other people or that kind of thing. It's all, it's all helpful people. And those people that aren't don't last long because my personality is, you know, I want to help people with this. And right. it's not about who's better or who's worse or whatever. It's about encouragement. You know, it's about encouragement. And because anything you make is going to look better than a piece of map, you know, drawn on a map piece of paper. So I agree. Uh, and I, you know, I actually encourage the people um, 
you know, that are, you know, are just starting out more than like someone who's built some amazing thing because they know they're amazing, right? They know that, <laughs> but the people who are starting, they're the ones that need the encouragement because they're just going to get better with practice. And like I said, even if you don't think you're good, you put that on the table and your players are going to be like, wow, you know what? This is awesome. You know, I can actually, I can actually hide behind this pillar or I can see where the, you know, the, the boss is, or I can, you know, there's an altar here, you know, maybe we can shut down the altar, you know, the, all that stuff um, just really is a game changer. Absolutely. I think that uh, you nailed it. I think the DMs craft is an amazing resource. Listen, Crit Nation, if you have not done your own tiles if even if you're a theater of the mind person make sure you visit the the dm's craft on youtube visit his uh, uh what is your website address uh it's just the dm's craft okay. or dm's craft yeah there you go um dmscraft.com dm scotty i cannot tell you thank you enough for for joining us we really had a blast and it was an honor to have you on the show um, so glad to be here so thank you for yep. joining us it's been great. It's been fun. Yep. And before you go, what is your favorite methodology of creating like a stone texture, if you will, for like not not for like tiles itself, but for like uh ter- like models on the terrain? Hmm. Create stone uh, texture. For getting yeah. like a stone texture. Yeah. Um, a great technique to do is to use a sponge. Okay. So so yeah, so paint it like a darker gray, then use a damp sponge, drain most of the water out of the sponge, put a little bit of light gray on it, and just boop, 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 on the texture, it'll look like stone. So that's how we're going to do my grant outhouse. Got it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so they they got they got a reward of some land and they're building on it. And he literally built like an outhouse on the mainland and then has the team like digging underground. So it's an outhouse when you walk into it that has like <laughs> stairs that go under into the ground like the hive from uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, what you like? Uh, <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, which book the lever to reveal the secret passage. But yeah, the entrance appears to be a uh, outhouse. But I made them build out of granite. <laughs> oh, that's right. fun. <laughs> um, so once again, thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Take care. See ya. See ya, Scotty. Bye-bye. <laughs> so that was our interview with DM Scotty. Um, you can find him on YouTube. Just type in the DM's craft. His content is amazing. Even if you're not a crafter, take take a day and just try to make some stuff because you will be blown away at how simple the techniques are and how amazing it comes out looking so much to the point you might be like me where you just spend an entire weekend doing it after you were only going to do like two tiles um especially the the worm thing yeah the, the purple worm even if you don't use it for anything it looks awesome enough to like sit on like your your mantle or something so uh check it out before we move on to our final segment, our honor tips and tricks, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Camden, who's our winner today? This week's winner of the Lawsmith Prize is Still Dormant.
Congratulations, Still Dormant. You are this week's winner of Loresmith's Amazing Venture. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to loresmith.com and let them know what you think. Leave them a review. Let them know what you like, what you didn't like, and tell them uh, Crit Academy sent you. Yeah. Good things will come to you if you mention us. I don't know what, but it's good things. So moving on to our final segment, we have our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we bring you new and creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Uh, Our character concept this week comes to us from listener PJ Sherrill. Um, And uh, this is the uh, Infinity Stones character concept. It's a character concept um, based on Infinity War, naturally. It came out recently. Um, uh, This character, who's technically a wild magic sorcerer, is the basis for this character, has, by some twist of fate, whether cruel or great, has had an ancient stone or stones infused with powerful magic embedded inside of them dubbed the infinity stones this stone stone or these stones have spread its magic throughout this character granting him or her uncontrollable magic powers you can choose any stone as i really don't remember them all says pj (laughs) maybe the power stone question mark um power stone reality stone would make sense for that one Space stone, mind stone, for sure. What do you What do you guys think about this? This is totally Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch? Yeah. I don't get yeah. it. How is that Scarlet Witch? Because she was empowered using one of the um, Infinity Stones. Was she? And the MCU, yeah. I did not know that. When did it When did it talk about that? Age of Ultron. Oh yeah. Did it, she wear it around her neck or something? No. Like, originally in Marvel Comics, she was a mutant, but then they retconned her to something else. It's weird. But anyway. Uh, anyway, I guess that's what gives her them so much freedom with what she can do. Because she went from kind of like hexes to stuff to just blowing shit up. Um, this reminds me of Meteor Man. Did you guys ever watch that old mo- that old movie? Mm-hmm. The first black superhero in, in movies. Yeah, he the meteor comes down and smashes into him and he becomes Meteor Man. You know, he gains these superpowers from this rock that smashed into him and I think flavoring that as a uh as a um a way that a sorcerer got his powers is awesome because that's one thing that makes the of all the classes what makes a wizard un- or not a wizard a sorcerer so unique is that every single sorcerer has likely gotten their powers in a different way. And that in and of itself creates an amazing story opportunity. So as a DM, if a player if a player brought me this idea that this thing, you know, came from the heavens and, and you know, they acquired it and it gave them their power, I would love to be able to take an opportunity to find a way to include that in my story some way. Um, I really like this idea uh, specifically because it creates an unknown factor in the the the, sto- the character story, um, which is something as a DM that I can embellish and that I can play with and I can distort. Like to me, I can see somebody coming in, in in let's say it's embedded in his head, like Vision. I can see myself finding a villain that wants that power and is seeking out that player in the party to rip that that object from that character for whatever reason, driving the story forward focused on that particular player yeah and i love it but the important thing though is to make sure you give like a time to each individual player too not just well one. yeah but sometimes you sometimes you gotta go pick and choose you know and but you go know, yeah you, you can't yes i know you can never not you can never let a player outshine the others but something like too that often. is just pretty cool too often yeah sometimes you got to give some special love to each one right mm-hmm yeah, so I love this character concept. Thank you very much, PJ Cheryl. Um, 
I can't wait to to find a way to incorporate this. I'm gonna play a character tomorrow. Maybe I'll I'll run this. That'll do it for our character concept of the podcast. Ian, would you like to talk about our monster variant? Now today, our monster variant is the rotting toad. <laughs> the origin of this one is the giant toad, but the new feature is to replace swallow with rotting swallow. Crikey, that sounds nasty. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, the toad makes one bite attack against a medium or smaller target it's grappling. If the attack hits, the target is swallowed, and the grapple ends. The swallowed target is blinded and restrained, has total cover against attacks and other effects outside the toad, and it takes 10 or 36 acid damage at the start of each of the toad's turns. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 11 constitution saving throw or be cursed and have its skin rot. The curse target cannot regain hit points, Ew. and each and its hit point max decreases by 7 or 2d6 every 24 hours that elapses. If the curse reduces the target hit points max to zero, they die, and his body melts into a pile of liquid goo. The curse lasts until removed by the remove curse spell or other magic. The toad can only have one target swallowed at a time. If if the toad dies, a swallowed creature is no longer restrained by it and can escape from the curse using five feet of movement, exiting prone. Now that just sounds nasty. What do you guys think? pretty cool i think it's i think this is a very creative way to go beyond the grappling mechanic alone oh yeah um Mm -hmm. to like deal damage and create tension i think it's pretty cool yes um i love mummy rot this is a variant of the mummy rot and i really wanted uh for one of my encounters coming up (laughs) for one of my encounters coming up i wanted a something that was similar to the mummy rot but was more swamp themed um, so I came up with this little bastard by combining, uh, the, the swallow mechanic of the giant toad with the mummy rot effect. I built my castle on a swamp. <laughs> um, Cody asks if the, uh, rotting toad was now undead. Nope. Hadn't really considered it. Um, didn't really change it. It just, to me, it was a f- part of his stomach acid, I guess, and some magic. Um, but you easily could do that and even give it the undead fortitude if you wanted. Um, keeping it alive a little longer, though. Uh, this combined with the undead fortitude might boost the um, the CR a smidge, but uh, shouldn't be anything that they can't handle. Though they might lose somebody in the process. But then my castle sank into the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea that this thing can just swallow somebody and then hop away, <laughs> and then them chasing after it. <laughs> oh snap! You guys ever use a giant toad to swallow people? I've encountered that once or twice. Mm. It's pretty fabulous. The look of terror on their faces when they get <laughs> swallowed up and then he just goes hops away in the water. Now, if you hop away in some water, the bastard might start drowning too. Keep that stuff in mind too. That made me think of one time where I heard about a friend of mine who had a Warforged character that got eaten by a dragon. The problem was the dragon did not realize that the Warforged was full of buzzsaw blades that could pop out. Oh, nice. <laughs> like chewing, chewing on a blender, huh? Yeah. Um, I really like this character concept. Uh, anytime you can add a level of challenge that's unexpecting, because most people are going to think, oh, uh, Toad, it swallowed me. I'm burning. I'm still burning. My skin is melting. What the fuck? <laughs> um, this definitely goes well in like a swamp, uh, marshy area. Um, great with to go with like lizard folk and stuff. Um, so definitely... Uh, check it out. Uh, if you use this and it kills a player, let me know. If you use this and they like it and it doesn't kill anybody, let me know. If you use this and it terrifies them, let me know. 
Um, that'll do it for our monster variant, the Rotting Toad. Matthew, that's funny. Our encounter of the podcast today comes from patron Sam, called The Mimic Pair for Hasty Adventurers. A darkened corner of a dungeon has a chest. Mildly damp environment. In the chest is a set of shiny plate armor. The armor seems to have a light sheen of oil on its surface. Polished to perfection. To a magic user, the armor seems magical. A DC-16 investigation uh, can reveal the mimic if the character decides to check. If the PC dons the armor, after one minute of wearing the armor, the PC feels a cold, wet feeling in the nape of the neck. The mimic armor gets one pseudopod attack, then roll initiative. That's that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Where it gets an attack before the uh, players without really any contested... Uh, I think surprise it, round or anything. I, th- I can think think of that as a surprise round, actually. You would, would you trade it that way? Yeah. Okay, I can see that. If the player is with, if a player is within five feet of the chest, then the second mimic, the chest, also gets a but one bite in the surprise round. There it is. <laughs> the chest can the chest cannot adhere to a PC while the armor is adhering. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they're sticky, right? Yeah. Um, while the armor is adhering, the PC's AC becomes the mimics of AC-12. Uh, while the armor is adhering, the PC takes half damage from incoming attacks aimed at the mimic if the attack has disadvantage. Uh, the mimic takes the other half. So basically, you're splitting the damage between the 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 character and the mimic Yeah. with disadvantage. They have a 50% chance uh, of half damage for a normal attack and no damage for attacks with advantage. Um, have the player roll a d12, odds hit player, even misses. Will really freak them out. I can imagine. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, while the armor is adhering to the PC, the PC takes 1d6 acid damage at the start of the PC's turn. The armor cannot bite while adhering. So in place of like doing its action, it's just doing ongoing damage while it's encased on the player. Living armor, man. That sounds that's badass. Yay. The player, as an action, can pry the armor off with a DC 18 strength check. The armor mimic, who has been pried off, cannot adhere again for one day. If a PC falls unconscious while adhered to the mimic, begins consuming the body, if not otherwise threatened. If threatened, the mimic immediately dislodges and attacks another target. No lingering acid damage after being dislodged. So, what do you guys think of this encounter? I do think it's a fun concept. I, I like it a lot. I like the living armor concept a lot, and I like... I think I like the mechanic. I like what he has here with um, the damages split evenly between the armor and the PC to which it is adhered mm-hmm. uh, at a disadvantage, a 50% chance of half damage for a straight roll attack, and... Um, if the attack has advantage, then uh, you can just hit straight on on the armor. I, I right, really right. like this idea. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I think this is really cool because, first of all, I don't think I've ever really... The closest thing I've ever done was animated armor. And yeah. I've only had bits and pieces of it try to like attach to somebody, never like engulf them as a whole, and then never considered melting them. Though I do think we did have one monster variant once before. Where one of the monsters had like a skull rib cage that would capture a player, and then as they're fighting, they risk hurting the player. So I'm always a fan of that because yeah. they have to pick and choose their tactics. Um, I, I think the AC, the 18 strength is kind of high, but if your goal is to make it so most one person can't get it off, 
If anything, I would just keep it as a high DC, but if uh, players are trying to get it off, at least use the assist action to give somebody advantage. Yes. Um, I think this concept is awesome. I love the idea of armor just jumping out and surrounding somebody. Um, but having somebody have to don it first is even better, especially if they think, quote-unquote, it's magical. Um, oh, that would piss a player off, wouldn't it? Yep. It's magical, all right. You just don't know why it's magical. <laughs> it's pretty rough, um, and it's definitely harsh, but I can definitely see this being a lot of fun. So I, I love Mimics. That's probably why we have so many Mimic uh, encounters, because I think Mimics are great. Because um, yes, they, they can hide in anything, not just a damn chest. <laughs> um, so any other comments on this awesome encounter? Very creative encounter. Big ups to Sam. Yeah. Yeah, well done, buddy. Uh, that is our encounter of the podcast, a mimic pair for hasty adventurers. Our magic item of the podcast comes from Twitter follower at Boozleboy called Rage Powder. Um, he didn't really give me no stats, so I had to find some. He just basically gave me an overall idea, but here's what I ended up with. This is an uncommon potion. When you inhale the red powder contained in this vial, you gain the benefits of the Barbarian's Rage feature for one minute. Additionally, when you are reduced to zero hit points, but not outright killed, uh, but not killed outright, you drop to one HP instead. You can't gain the benefits of Rage Power again until... Uh, you cannot gain the benefits of Rage Powder again until you finish a long rest. A small, violent sandstorm appears in the vial, but vanishes when the vial is opened. What do you think about that, Camden? That's a pretty cool flavor. Like, when it's closed, it's like... It's uh, simmering inside, kind of, mm-hmm. with the sandstorm. I think this is really cool. I think this is a cool, um, cool grab bag potion for non-barbarians yeah. to have a little fun with uh, with some rage. I mean, to me, this actually strikes me as like uh, some of the mushrooms that some actual Viking berserkers would eat before going to battle. Yeah, um, it's funny yeah. you say that because uh, this is a direct response to a Twitter post that I posted about consumables. Yeah. One of our DM tips are use consumables. And one of the, uh, this gentleman, Boozleboy, mentioned that, hey, I had this powder that my kobolds would take before they went into battle to psych themselves up that made them stronger and made them faster and it made them harder to kill. Um, and I just thought that that idea in general was just amazing because yeah. um, it's easy to forget, at, uh, even in 5e, that kobolds represent a, a bit of a challenge if you throw enough of them at the party. But giving them surprise abilities like half damage and uh, the fact that they can, what, what is it, the... Uh, the the endurance the half orcs ability is that called yes relentless endurance combined with that gives them the you can't kill me in one shot sort of or at least it's really hard sort of mentality allowing you to use this as sort of a a drug the bad bad guys use to beef up some of their some of their weaker allies so allowing you to use it at, at higher levels and then the players could you know figure out what they're using and taking and maybe stumble across a little bit of it yeah I can imagine maybe even giving it some sort of uh, um, addiction. Or side effects afterwards that it wears off. Yeah. I know it, I did specifically said it can't be used. I put it can't be used after a long rest because I thought that um, it should be like more of a drug. But or, I think you're right on point. What if you combine it with like rolling on a madness, t- short-term madness table or something? Or when you get out of it, kind of similar to like the, um, the berserker archetype get a level of exhaustion afterwards. Ooh, there you go. That's that's a good idea. I like that. Um, 
<laughs> Kate, uh, Edward Tate says, Roids. <laughs> That's what turned uh, Kermit into the monster variant. <laughs> okay. Um, I really like this magic item, and um, we've talked about it briefly on the show before, but I've introducing some sort of narcotic to your game that becomes something that everyone needs, that they have to have, driving this whole cartel. This could be an item that could be used for something like that. So when the players do find it, they find this potent uh, you know, source of power, at least for a little while. <laughs> I do like to add the madness table chart to it, though. Yeah. That would be awesome. I might, I might add that. In or some... exhaustion. Yeah, that too. Either or both. Yeah. Or not both. Yep. <laughs> um, that'll do it for our magic item, Rage Powder. Um, Camden, would you like to take our Dungeon Master tip? Of course. Our uh, our DM's tip <laughs> comes from a Twitter user, DMS Christopher W. And uh, his tip for all you DMs out there is prepare your enemy spellcasters. If spellcasting enemies are aware of the PCs before they actually engage them, they should already have casted spells to aid them in combat. Mage armor, fly, mirror image, heroism, false life, etc. Yes, this is awesome. Um, that makes sense. Many times, and it wasn't until I saw this that I'm like, you know what, I always do waste a goddamn round putting that shit up. That could be uh, uh, one of the the triggers when the players fail something. If they're trying to get into a room and they're trying to pick the lock or kick it in and make a failed die roll, that fail could cost them the time and the preparation for the enemy on the other side to have this sort of stuff ready to go. Um, I think that it would be freaking nuts for the party to run in and see four of this wizard. Are they going to think there's four of them that, and it might depend on your, your description that there's four copies of this person. There's four, like quadruplets or if the enemy is already floating in the air with a fireball and they're ready and as soon as the door opens they unleash that shit this is a really good example of having that stuff um taking an, an advantage of a poor role on the player's part or maybe they decide to make a noisy entrance right if they make a noisy yep. entrance into you know the keep all the mages have already buffed up themselves and you know enlarged and enhanced some of the the other minions making the encounter that much more difficult Sure. What do you think? I like it. Makes sense. Actually, I know it's uh, slightly different, but what this made me kind of think of was a uh, post on Facebook a few weeks back. It's just, it's just like, you know, a conversation. And basically started off with the party fighter dressing up in, as a clown. And the partner was like, dude, why the heck are you dressing as a clown? Well, in case the, uh, our enemy tries to scry us, he'll throw him off a little bit. Don't be ridiculous. That just sounds stupid. Meanwhile, at the villain's lair, villain's turning to a crystal ball. What the? A clown! This thing must be busted! <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, actually, Cody says he's got a few, you know, drugs and stuff that he's made, so definitely send that to us, man. Or I could just lend you my Shadowrun book. There's a lot in there. Is there? Oh, yeah. Drugs a pretty big thing in Shadowrun? Oh, yeah. There's a um, reason why addiction is a flaw you can take for a character. <laughs> um, I think this DM tip is great. And honestly, uh, something that I failed as a DM and never really done anything with, I am moving forward going to be a better DM because of this. So, um, Ooh, we did actually, that does make me think if we did come up with the idea for a future topic of stuff you can pull from other games, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Prepare your enemy spellcasters. Indeed. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick.
and you can avoid dickitude by listening to patron Nathan H. Play actual music as a bard. Obviously, this is only for players that actually play musical instruments in real life. But if someone plays a bard and also knows how to play a musical instrument, that's easy to, you know, transport around, <laughs> then play for music sure. at your game. Whether it's a flute or a recorder or a ukulele, even a trumpet. Even if it's a simple kazoo. Dude, I am totally playing a fucking bard with a kazoo. I'll be the most annoying motherfucker on the planet. How about that vuvuzela? A what? A vuvuzela. I don't even know what the hell that is. You know, the, Here. <laughs> you know those trumpets they play at so- soccer games in Europe? No. Uh, make up some jingles for your spells. In Ocarina of Time, you have to play certain melodies for spells to take effect. For your D&D game, come up with a few sequences of notes for spells like Healing Word or Bane or Heroism. Anything that you might use on a regular basis. How awesome would it be to just play a quick melody on your uke and everyone already know what's going down. <laughs> so, you said that this is this is only a tip for people who are actual musicians and can actually play things. I would make the argument that it is ever more hilarious if you as a person aren't actually musically talented and just bring an instrument that you can't play for shit. <laughs> that adds so much to it for you to like roll through with a trumpet or like a guitar and you can't play and you're just like oh god. <laughs> Listen to my inspiring I'm music. Casting a spell. <laughs> like, that'd be funny as hell. Hell yeah, man! Oh my god, dude! <laughs> if your character is kind of a bumblefuck and like, that'd be funny as hell. That'd be so funny. Oh man, I love that. That would be that's perfect if you're the person that likes to debuff the enemies because it's so distracting. <laughs> like look over here motherfucker <laughs> yeah that's why i want to get a kazoo i can do that <laughs> um i love this idea i think it's hilarious uh... <laughs> all right um so yeah so i think this is fantastic um i want to get one of those uh those big tubes that look like a uh like a like a bong like tube where you like spin it and it goes, you know what I mean? Doesn't know what that is? Yeah, 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 yeah. How awesome that'd be! Like spin it three times to cast healing word and spin it twice for Bane. <laughs> oh man, now I want a trumpet, dude. <laughs> Trumpets are fun. Uh, oh no, Ed says he's showing up to the next game with lube. What the fuck? Oh, tubes. Not as said loop. Get your mind out of the gutter, Justin. That's <laughs> where it lives. But to say, it's kind of stuck there at this point. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. So I think that'll do it with our player tip. Uh, don't be a dick. And Nathan says you can avoid dickitude by playing actual music as a bard. Um. Definitely do this. I sure as hell will. <laughs> That'll do it for our unearthed tips and tricks. Before we close out our show today, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. 
The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Camden, who's our winner today? Because I turned off Ian's mic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this week's winner of Jeff Stevens's Dra- uh, Dragon's Breath Tavern is Nick Allen King. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Congratulations, Nick Allen King. Um, if you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to DMs Guild and leave Jeff Stevens a review. Tell him what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product moving forward. So, congratulations, Nick Allen King. Please join us for our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing Midgar's Heroes Handbook. We will be doing a short series of our class analysis on several of the player options available to you in this fantastic book by the Cobalt, by Cobalt Press. So I want to give a solid thank you and a shout out to Wolfgang Bauer for giving us an opportunity to do this. Good um, stuff. I'm Hell super yeah. stoked. I'm really excited for that. Um, uh, if you have any feedback on Earth tips and or tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. We are active all over social media uh, all the time. Justin's all over Facebook. Uh, be sure to find our Facebook group, Crit Nation, uh, the Crit Academy community. Uh, it's a Facebook group. Justin's in there all the time. Uh, you can also email us at critacademy at gmail.com or uh, find us on Twitter or our Facebook page at Crit Academy. For shizzle. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a, hopefully, five-star review on your platform of choice. Or you can just send us a message by telling us how much you, you enjoy the show. And also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Yaw. And once again, check out DM Scotty's content. His The DM's Craft is an, an absolutely amazing resource. If, A, you're too cheap to buy all the really th- fancy 3D tile... Yep. Um, you like to craft and you like to make custom scenes for your, your adventures because really that's what it's about. Um, I've got one set up for them to start their next adventure in. So we are going to die. Um, probably, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> Definitely check out his stuff. You can find him on YouTube at the DMs craft or go to the DMs Definitely at the very least, if you don't do anything else, make a damn purple worm because it turns out awesome. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures. By subscribing, you will be entered to win cool prizes each and every single week. You'll also find links to our fellowship members there. If you not checked out, uh, if you have not checked out Interparty Conflict with Gabe and Jeff, those guys do an entire show that's all about answering your questions, and it's awesome. Can't get enough of those guys. Check them out. They give better tips than we do <laughs> and they answer the questions more professionally on it, though uh, as well um, and, and also check out D character lab uh, Garen and Dan do a awesome uh, 
they create awesome new characters each and every week uh, week and like true battle bards they argue their validity in game about who which baby is better also check out our other uh, fellowship members there uh we got great great all sorts of great content creators definitely check them out i am your host justin i'm your co-host ian and i am your co-host camden thank you for listening Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, Camden. What up? What do you call a party full of orc bards? Oh, you post. Oh, the you posted this. That's not the answer. I know an orchestra. Damn it! <laughs> hey, Camden. What? what do you call a necropolis full of the advantaged? Oh, uh, uh, white privilege. <laughs> Damn it! You got what? it. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one.